Hi everyone, welcome back to Love God and Your Neighbor. Happy All Saints Day, observed. Uh, granted, All Saints Day is officially on November 1st, but since today is the first Sunday after that, this is the day that we celebrated All Saints Day in our church, um, and I suspect that many, many other churches were observing the day as well. Today we lit candles for people in our congregation who passed away this year. We also then lit candles for all of the people in our lives who have passed away over the years to remember them and to remember what they mean to us and to remember that and to celebrate the fact that they are now in heaven with God. And so as you listen to this sermon, there's a moment when I allow the congregation to call out the names of the people that they lit candles for. And so I invite you to call out those names at that time, too, as you're listening to this, as we remember those people. They are not gone. They are in heaven. They are alive. They are waiting for us. And we live with the eternal hope. Um, that is the good news of Jesus Christ. So I pray that you are blessed by this message and that you have a wonderful week. Love you guys. Bye. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight my strength, and my Redeemer. Amen. Ephesians 1, 15-23 says this, I have heard your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, and for this reason I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe according to the work of his great power. God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all as a pastor as a christian losing a member of the church to death is an emotionally complicated deal especially when that person who passes away has been a strong example of faith or Christian leadership. When that happens, pastors find themselves at once acting as grief counselor for their flock and proclaimer of the good news of Jesus Christ to the community of faith, while also grieving the loss of somebody they loved very much. One of the times that I found myself in such a situation, a dear man in my church had died. Hugh Robinson 
was chair of the elders at First Christian Church in Florence, Alabama, when I started there in 2007. This man had been postmaster general at the post office and a volunteer fireman during his days off. His wisdom and experience in life and in leadership combined with his faith and his huge heart translated into one of the most amazing church leaders I've had the privilege of ministering with. I truly love that man. He was a devoted husband. He was a loving father. He was a wonderful grandfather. And he was a mentor to me and the other ministerial staff in the years that I knew him. If we had a conflict arise in the church, I felt confident that everything would be fine because Hugh was there. He knew how to handle things. And people respected him. He loved Jesus and he loved the church. When Hugh passed away from complications with COPD, I was in shock. I never actually believed that he would die. I mean, I, knew, I know that's ridiculous, but I didn't. In those last years, he was in and out of the hospital regularly, but I always thought that he would rally and be fine again like he always had before. So when I heard that he had finally passed, I was stunned. And then I was sad. And then I was devastated. I could not imagine the church without him. And I knew that it would never be the same. And I have missed Hugh Robinson ever since. That's not so complex, though, is it? I loved someone and was sad when he died. But as a Christian, I am also overjoyed for him. And that's the tricky part, isn't it? How do you process the feelings of grief and joy over the same event at the same time? But the fact is, Hugh loved God in Christ Jesus, which means, according to our faith, he is now a full-time resident in God's heavenly kingdom. We who knew him can't help but feel joy over that fact, even though we miss him to this day. The author of Ephesians said to the church, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him. So that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe according to the working of his great power. All of the people whose lives are represented in the candlelight on the altar today are saints who have received God's glorious inheritance. To name a few, Susie Michelson, Robert Solman, Eva McCullough, Sonny Phillips, Charlie Johnson, 
Jack and Russell Wells, Marilyn and David Vorhest, and Franklin and Sarah Carter. So who are the others? I invite you now to call out other names that are represented here this day. Who are the names that you have lit candles for? Judy Frontier. Scott Gill. These are saints whose love helped build the body of Christ. And these are saints who are now peacefully dwelling in God's immense love and grace. Our scripture says that the writer hopes God gives you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know what is the hope to which God has called you. Again, so that you may know the hope to which God has called you. And then the writer says, God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. We all, we human beings, children of God, created in God's image, 
We are in a constant state of calling. From the moment that we are conceived, God begins calling our souls home. No matter whom we are, no matter what conditions we are born into, we come into this world being called into hopefulness. And what is the hope to which we are called? Eternal life. It begins at the cross, this hope, this hope that we have been given. It begins with a love so profound, with grace so pure, that the incarnation of God himself would suffer, would die, and would be resurrected so that he could offer life to the very people who killed him. But Jesus' resurrection was not just about his ability to rise from the grave, no. It was about his desire to conquer death for all of us. Our loved ones represented here in these lights and here in our hearts, they may have died. But they have also been resurrected into the heavenly kingdom. They are gone from us for the moment, but they continue to live beautiful, peace-filled, joyful lives in the presence of God, in the presence of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They are the saints who have gone before us, but they are not gone. And that is the hope to which we are called as well. As a child, even as a young adult, I feared death. Eventually, I became a disciple of Jesus, but I still didn't grasp this hope that our scripture talks about. In that immature stage, I still worried that death would be a lonely, scary, and exceptionally unfamiliar experience. I feared that it would be different from anything that I knew in this life. And of course, change scares us, right? Thankfully, God blessed me with this wisdom and revelation that our scripture talks about today. And I grew up to understand the hopefulness that God had called me to. You see, because I walk with Christ now, I am already experiencing eternal life now. I am already experiencing moments of heaven in my life now. Theologians refer to this state of salvation as the already but not yet. The theological concept of already but not yet, it holds that believers are actively taking part in the kingdom of God, although the kingdom will not reach its full expression until sometime in the future. We are already in the kingdom. But we do not yet see its glory. Amen? And so I grew to realize that if I was already taking part in the kingdom of God, then dying would not be scary or lonely or alien in any way. Because if I was already participating in my heavenly reward then dying would simply strip away the consequences of sin that we all experience every day. 
and I would get to live forever in perfect freedom from that pain. I would get to live with all of the other saints that I know who are waiting for me to join them in heaven. It would not be lonely. It will not be scary. And we are all called by God to a beautiful hopefulness of eternal perfection. And this perfection is the state in which all of these loved ones now exist. Only Jesus, only Jesus can turn something as ugly as death into the most hopeful thing we could possibly experience. Amen? Amen. And so let's give thanks for our Savior. And let's give thanks for the saints that we have been blessed to love. And let's give thanks that we are all called to a hope so pure, so perfect, and so beautiful that we would weep for joy if we could fully grasp the fullness of it. Amen? Amen. Amen.